Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. Today we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 2. And let's pray as we jump into the Word of God today and study the subject of meditation. How about this? Even the subject of evening meditation. Mm -mm. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your Word, we thank you that your Word is full of surprises. Surprise us today, O God, with fresh revelation. Let this literally be our spiritual food, because we're not designed to live only by natural food. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the food of your Word. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the life-sustaining Word of God. Praise the Lord. All right, we are again in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Now it goes on to tell why. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So the Israelites out in the Sinai desert being led by Moses, so many of them just did not believe God's word. And because they did not mix the hearing of the word with faith, well, they never got into their promised land. But my friends, there is a different focus that we want to see something special here. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Now, this is what I would like to proclaim today, which is this. Every word of God is designed for your profiting. It is designed so that you will profit. Every single word, every scripture, every statement of God, the word which they heard did not profit them. So it was intended to profit them. It didn't because of their unbelief. But my friends, it's going to profit you because I know that you take God seriously at his word. You believe his word. Now, the word profit in the Greek here is the word aphileo, and it means to be useful. It means to do good. It means to benefit. It also means to make better. But even in the various uh, Greek dictionary, such as Vines, Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. Wow, that's a mouthful. Uh, they also say that the main meaning of this word is profit. And as well as Strong's Concordance, it also says that this refers to profit. P-R-O-F-I-T. All of Scripture is designed for your betterment, for the enhancement of your life, and and it is loaded with the ability to profit you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we also see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's go over there just for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to drop down to verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And of course, we certainly believe that. And is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But notice again the phrase that the inspired Word of God is profitable. God's Word is profitable. God wants you to profit. You don't need any help to go downhill. You need help to go uphill. And this book 
is loaded with power and anointing to take you uphill. It is loaded with God's ability to profit you. Thank you, Jesus. So every scripture has that power packed into it. Thank you, Lord. One of the primary channels that allows you and I to connect with the profitability, the profitability of the scriptures is biblical meditation. And that's what I want to talk about today because we don't want to just hear the word, although that is essential, but we want to hear it and understand it. And the only way that we can really understand it and grasp the fullness of it is by meditating upon it. And that's what we're going to look at in today's message. Let's go now to 1 Timothy, very close by, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I would like for us to drop down to verse 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Doctrine being the the study of scriptural commandments and so forth. Now, this is Paul the Apostle talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. But along with these instructions of giving attention to reading, exhortation, doctrine, and so forth, he goes on to say in verse 15, meditate on these things. So it's not just enough to uh, you know, hear somebody read a chapter from the Bible or to have a good exhortation or to hear good doctrinal teaching that lays out what God would require of us. But we need to also meditate on it so that we get it within us and it becomes a part of us and we have full understanding of it. So that's why Paul says meditate because just hearing is not enough. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. You know, I love reading my Bible, and there's many good Bible reading prog- uh, programs out there. If you read five chapters a day, you can finish the Bible in one year. And you may want to read more than that, but you know what happens to me, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, is that sometimes I'll be reading, and I'll think, you know, I'm going to read a few chapters, and I'll start reading and maybe read about seven or eight verses or something like that, and suddenly, I'll come across a verse that so arrest my attention that even if I keep on reading after it, I'm still thinking about that one that stood out. So I've learned that if there is a rhema word that God's word is speaking to me, well, I'm going to disrupt my three chapter a day pattern or whatever it might be. And I'm going to go back to that verse. I'm going to just camp there. Why? I want to meditate on that verse. Why? It is speaking life to me. And so I want to extract and pull that life out of that because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, that that is a continual proceeding of the word of God. See, this, this is eternal. That's why you can be reading through the Bible and you think, well, there's parts in here 2,000, 3,000 years old. Those things were said that long ago. Yes, but it's the eternal word. It still is speaking today. And that fresh revelation can jump off the page and grab your heart, grab your attention. And, and the next thing you know, you're meditating on that word of God. So let's not just hear the word, but let's meditate so that we have clear understanding of exactly that which we are hearing. Now, one of the greatest examples in the Bible of meditation is found in Psalm 119, 
Let's drop all the way down to verse 97. This is a very long psalm. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Mm-mm. Meditating on the law of God. What God instructs, what God says is right, what he says is wrong. Understanding his commandments, what he is expecting of us. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, Make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. My friends, you can't keep them if you don't know what they are. And so you discover what they are, and then you meditate on them, and then it begins to come into you. So meditation is much more advanced than scripture memorization. When I was young in church, they uh, put a big emphasis on, you know, having those young people memorize scripture. But most of those scriptures I memorized, I forgot. Why? Well, they, they were not living words to me. Now, it's, it's great to have knowledge of the Bible, uh, but uh, you're, you're going to live off the rhema word. That's what you fight with. Uh, you fight with the, with the rhema word of God. It has to be a living, active word to you. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to have to meditate. When you meditate on the living word, it actually gets inscribed on your heart. You'll never, ever forget it. You may not even really be able to quote a chapter and verse, but you know, you know what? I'll never forget that. That means something to me. And you meditate on it and you begin to pull the life of that word into your heart. And now you're developing very, very strong faith. So here's my definition of biblical meditation. Meditation is the thinking process, the mental chewing and digestive mental process that gives us a clear understanding of what we need to do in order for God's word to perform. Woo. Hallelujah. Because we see so many beautiful promises in the Bible, and you want to engage the reality of those promises. But sometimes people just memorize the verse, or they claim a verse because maybe it's their pastor's favorite verse or their best friend's favorite verse, but they just grab it. But they've never meditated on it. It's never become a part of them. It's never been assimilated into the depths of their heart. Mm -hmm. Look, when you get the Word of God into your spirit, it will actually affect, are you ready for this? The physical human heart. Wow. And of course it renews your mind and allows the reality of the new covenant reality, such as having the mind of Christ, uh, begin to operate in your life. But so much of this comes through meditation, not just surface reading, which the knowledge is good, but we're not going per se just after basic knowledge or intellectual information. We want the life in it. Praise God. That's what we're after. So we need to study and meditate upon God's word. And in the process of pondering these truths, light begins to break forth. Well, Pastor Stephen, what happens when the light breaks forth? Well, you know what to do then with what you've read. You know how to make application of it. So as you meditate upon the word, you can ask yourself, why did God say that? And how does this apply to my life? 
And how can I take it and mix it into my life so that I can begin to enjoy this and walk in this? Well, as you meditate on it, God will start to unfold that verse to you. Praise God. We give God the glory. Now, let's uh, look at Genesis chapter 44, a day, maybe we should say an evening in the life of Isaac. Now, you're going to see something here in Genesis chapter 26 that in many ways uh, is it's almost what we're going to look at in just a second. It's almost today like a lost art in the body of Christ. And uh, we're going to talk about this. And if this is something in your life that has been lost, let it never be misplaced ever again. Begin to bring it back, uh, reawaken it, and begin to practice this. Because it's very, very important for anyone who has a destiny. And if you're a born-again believer, that certainly applies to you. And if you're not a believer, well, this is how you come into it. Praise God by receiving Christ and then beginning to meditate upon his promises. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis chapter 24, let's drop all the way down to, and let me jump over to the right page. Uh, Let's go to verse 61. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Be'er, Lahairoi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. Ask yourself, do I do that? Do I ever go out and just meditate, maybe not in a field, but just to go out and meditate on purpose? That's very, very rare. Uh, Most people don't do that. And so let me suggest this right off the bat as we look at this uh, beautiful verse. Meditation is something that if you do not program it into your life, if you do not make room for it in your life, it's probably not going to happen. Nobody uh, just randomly goes out in the evening and sits down on a boulder and starts meditating uh, about the things of God or meditating on the Word of God or pondering God's plan for their life. Uh, People don't do that. There's other things. There's recreation and all these other things that will compete for your attention and grab it. So I would suggest that like Isaac, that you make this something that you just fix it into your life. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he did this in the morning, also early in the morning, but here we see him doing it in the evening. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening and lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Riding on one of those camels was the woman who was already betrothed to him that's going to be his wife, and he's never even laid eyes on her ever before. So uh, I'm sure he has a lot to meditate on. And the reality is that he does. And uh, perhaps you say, uh, Pastor Stephen, my life is a little bit complicated. There's a lot going on. Well, hallelujah. Welcome to planet earth. Praise God. Where life can be like a book where you could read a chapter and then you go to the next chapter and it covers a different aspect because that changes the pace of the book. And then the next chapter finally picks back up where we left off on the previous one. But then the next chapter after that goes in a little bit of a different direction. And so you have this beautiful panorama going on with all these variables in your life. And Isaac was like that. Remember, he's a full grown man, but this is 
Maybe we could say famous, the famous Isaac, who was the young kid that his father put on an altar and raised a knife and was going to offer him as a sacrifice. And the angel said, don't do it. (laughs) So this is the life that Isaac knew. He was the guy laying on the altar, looking up, seeing that knife about to come down. So he realizes, um, God's got a plan for my life. I I just can't go out and do my own thing. Uh, God has made promises to my father. And Abraham has communicated those to his son because this is a generational blessing. So he's aware of that. That's a lot to ponder on right there. And then there's the fact that his mother has just passed away. Now, remember, Isaac was the miracle child. He was the child that it was impossible for his mom to have. He was the child that it was impossible for his father to to have. But yet, God brought him on the scene through a miracle, and but his mother has passed away. Those two were obviously very close, and uh, th- that's a, a difficult moment for him because he was the miracle child. And, you know, his father is getting old, and he's not going to live much longer. Abraham's not going to be on the scene much longer. And so you have the business, in a sense, being transferred over to the son. So Abraham the CEO now transferring all the assets and all of the logistics of how you run this very large business with all these cattle and all this livestock. And there was a lot of money and a lot of servants. And now that is all completely coming to Isaac. So he has all of that on his mind as well. And he is single, but he knows that the servant, his father's servant, his, very, his father's most trusted right-hand servant has gone off to a distant land to bring back a wife. And, you know, he's probably wondering, hmm, I wonder what she's going to look like. What is she going to, you know, uh, what will her name be? Well, while he's out there meditating in thought, and that's the way you need to be, in meditation, thinking, thinking about God's promises for your life, envisioning the future that God has for you, Oh, filling your mind with the destiny uh, that God has for you and the prophecies spoken over you. Just like Paul reminded Timothy, according to the prophecies, Timothy, spoken over you. Mm -mm. And this beautiful plan that God has while he is in thought in the evening, meditating, he lifts up his eyes and here comes the camels. And one of those camels has his wife riding on it and her name is Rebecca. And the moment the servant says, oh, that, that's him. That's the, that's the guy. <laughs> she goes, oh, she puts her veil on. <laughs> uh, following the uh, you know, Eastern tradition and so forth, she dismounts. And uh, what a uh, beautiful story. But we have a lot going on here, uh, even in this story, a real life, beautiful story. Uh, first of all, this is taking place at the evening. This is when the sun is setting. This is the moment that all photographers know. If you want to get the best picture, take your pictures at sunset. Now, you can try to replicate that, the setting sun indoors, uh, but it's very tricky and very complicated to get the soft lighting just right. But God has created it perfectly at sunset. And when you're outside taking pictures, Something happens at sunset that's very special where with that soft light and the sky lighting up with these beautiful colors. Sometimes I was out the other night, the sky was totally at sunset. It was total pink and blue. It was like cotton candy sunset. 
<laughs> makes her makes her head want to swim in the glory of God. <laughs> you just look at it, you're like, wow, God, that's awesome. Mm. And then other times, like in summer, you get more into like the burnt orange colors and the bronze colors and the, even the flaming red colors. Wow, it's phenomenal. Well, that's what's going on right now. He's meditating out in the field. The sun is setting. And what can happen in these moments with photography is you catch the glitter in somebody's eye. Uh, they call it the sparkle. The, uh, co- the correct term in the f- photography industry is catch light. It's, a, it's a fe- an effect that happens when that setting sun hits the eye and it creates a sparkle. And I believe he saw that in the eyes of Rebecca. And uh, this is just a beautiful scene. I, I sometimes see it in my wife's eyes. You know, I see that green, that sparkle. Uh, if the sun, we're outside and the sun is setting, something like that, maybe we're putting uh, out the bird feeders and re- refilling them or something like that. That sun comes down and you catch just that exact moment when that light reflects off the eye and you see that phenomenal sparkle. And you're like, God, that is so cool. And my wife has such beautiful green eyes. And, you know, she's uh, Irish uh, American. And uh, it's just a very special moment. I think that took place with Isaac and Rebecca. Praise the Lord. My friends, this is fascinating. Um, when you see Abraham, he. Uh, as we're looking from the New Testament, we're looking back at the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, we're seeing types and shadows. New Testament, we have the substance or the reality in Christ. But here, we actually have a prophetic picture. Abraham representing the Heavenly Father. Abraham's servant, most trusted right-hand advisor, uh, representing uh, who is that servant, representing the Holy Spirit. And then the son that the father is well pleased with, Isaac, representing Jesus. So while we do see uh, foreshadowing here of the Trinity, Father, Holy Spirit, and also the Son, I believe this gives us an insight into the, the devotional life of Jesus represented here by Isaac. And just as Isaac would go out in the field in the evening and meditate And we see the scriptures, Psalm 119, I delight to meditate in your law. Well, I'm sure Jesus would go out at times and just uh, in the evening when the sun was going down and would just meditate on scriptures, meditate on his assignment, meditate on his mission and his purpose that God had him on the earth for. Praise God. And you can do the same thing and connect with that same anointing of unveiling, of revelation that takes place at meditation, particularly meditating in the evening. Now, I've told the story before. Let me go back in time about uh, over 25 years ago when I sensed God's plan for my life had, uh, in the future, it had ministry and it had international ministry where uh, the ministry that God would have for me would go out to the nations Well, I didn't really know how God could do something like that, but I just sensed that on the inside. And what would happen every Sunday evening is that the Holy Spirit would strongly lead me to go out to uh, an area where there was a softball field at, 
And uh, on Sundays, nobody was ever there. And it had some bleachers. And uh, I would go out there usually for about two hours. And my time would conclude always during the sunset. And I would walk back and forth on those bleachers uh, for a minimum of an hour, sometimes two hours, usually about two hours. And I'd do nothing but pray in tongues. And as that sun would set and I would meditate upon God's plan for my life, I could see myself preaching and teaching and the gospel going around the world. And I said, Lord, I don't know how, <laughs> but somehow this is all I can see. And I could, you know, the sun would set and you had all the beautiful colors. That's when we lived in Southern California and the nights were always, you know, real warm and uh, calm and beautiful. Uh, perfect weather pretty much in that part of uh, the nation. But I, I could just, uh, I could catch that anointing of the spirit and I could, I could ride that with the ability to understand through meditation what God was leading me towards. So what does meditation upon the word, God's promises, what does it do? Well, it begins to put the puzzle together and it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You can open it up and pour all the pieces out and it's just all over the place. And you're like, wow, well, I guess I'll just start with the first one. But when you spend time with God and you open up his word and you find those scriptures that are speaking to you and you meditate on them, the puzzle starts coming together. Oh yes, it's still a walk of faith, but now you can see, oh, oh, I can start to see God has destiny for me in this area. I can start to see that God has this and this and that. And that's what's going on with Isaac. And he walked out fully the plan that God had for his life and also passed on that legacy and that calling to his son, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And then the initial prophecies God spoke to Abraham, they all begin to unfold. And it is larger probably than any of them ever originally imagined or understood. Praise God. And it's even swept us into those prophecies because of us being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah. Praise the Lord. But my friends, when you meditate on the word, that life and power will start to come into you and that strength will come into you. Let's take a look at one more classic scripture. And this would be from uh, the book of Joshua chapter one. And we have Joshua, the leader on the scene now. Joshua chapter one, Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Woo! Hallelujah. We must be meditating on the word. If not, something else is going to crowd out that space in your heart, and there's nothing else that can suffice for the word of God. So you want to be full of faith. And in a world of trials and challenges, in a world where it seems like there's a lot of sickness all over the place, you have to have your heart full of faith so that this supernatural barrier of divine protection and these associated promises are up and fully functioning in your life. And so this is a key way of walking in it. Through meditation. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, for then you will make your way prosperous. So again, we see the value of meditating upon the word, which is for our profiting 
And here we see that it says, for then you will make your way prosperous. Mm-mm. And then you will have good success. Praise God. And that's what God's word will produce in your life. But we have to meditate on it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Really be anchored in it. And perhaps you can do some of that in the evenings. You know, uh, right now the sun does set pretty early, but we're moving closer towards spring and then summer. And you'll have those, uh, I could call them perhaps magical moments where you have the time and the sun is going to set. Maybe you've got 45 minutes and just grab your Bible and just walk with the Lord. Walk with the Lord and say, Lord, the sun's setting. Lord, thank you for this beautiful sunset. And Lord, just as Isaac went out and meditated at evening as the sun was going down, I'm going to do the same thing. Praise the Lord. And I wouldn't be surprised if you look up and see your camels coming also. Your promises being fulfilled. The provision that God has for you coming in. The revelation, the understanding that you need flowing in. Praise God. Mm-mm. This is a great asset for any believer. Evening meditation. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are watching that they will revive what in many ways is a, is a lost art of meditation. And Father, we have to be willing to slow everything down to the speed of accuracy with the world that's moving so fast and a rush to always uh, reach conclusions or decisions, perhaps that we're not even prepared to make. Father, we have to slow down and come back to basics. And we thank you for helping us to do that through meditation. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Bless your people in this area in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus, as your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus would like to have a eye-to-eye moment with you right now because he's looking at you right now. He died on the cross for you to save you from sin and from eternal destruction and separation from him and going to an awful place of punishment that's called hell, which eventually leads to the ultimate place of punishment, the eternal lake of fire. But Jesus shed his blood for you and paid the penalty for your sins so that if you put your faith and trust in him, you can be born again. If you would like to receive his eternal life, pray this prayer right now. He's watching you right now. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, you died for me to save me from my sins. So Jesus, I receive your salvation. Save me now. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name. Write my name in your book of life. I give my heart to you completely, and I turn from sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. And the Lord has heard that prayer. Mm -mm. Now, those of you that have prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love for you to email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Let me know you have become a believer in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory, 
glory to the Lord. Mm-mm. Now, sometimes there can even be, like there was for me, a, 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 like I would call it a divine appointment. The Lord actually expected me to be out at that softball park meeting him and praying in the spirit, and we would enjoy the sunsets together. One time I, I decided to skip it because I was invited to a real nice restaurant <laughs> by one of my church members. And he said, um, Pastor Stephen, you know, we don't have a Sunday service, so let's go out to eat tonight because we would have Wednesday night and Sunday morning. And I said, okay, let, let's go do that. And so um, we went to a real nice restaurant, my wife and I and he, and uh, the whole time I'm sitting there at the restaurant, I'm starting to feel a, 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 like an uneasiness because I, I feel like I'm supposed to be somewhere else. And I knew exactly where that place was because I sensed somebody's waiting for me. And that would be the Lord. And it was building. This, this uh, uneasiness was building to the point when the food came out and it was a you know, beautiful meal and the steam is coming off the hot food and the meal looked so good. And they asked me to pray uh, for the food. And I, I said, I, I have to go. And Kelly said, do you, you need to go pray? I said, yes, I've got to go pray. The Lord's waiting for me out there at that park. And he's waiting for me to walk the bleachers and spend time with him. And she said, well, go do what you need to do. And the, and the other brother said, yes, Pastor Stephen, go ahead. We'll have your food boxed up. Kelly can take it home for you. And she did. I ate it later. But I rushed out there. And the moment I got on those bleachers and, and started walking, the presence of the Lord was all was all over me, praise God. And those things that once seemed a distant, like almost like a dream, are now a living reality that I'm experiencing on a daily, daily basis. Praise God. Amen. Each week, the gospel message that we are preaching, and thank you for your help because I can't do it without you, but each week, the gospel message that we're preaching is reaching a potential viewing audience of over. One billion, not one million, but one billion with the B people. Woo! Praise God. Amen. And it's growing. It's growing. So I'm going to continue walking, praying, meditating, meditating. Some of you are going to have some divine appointments in the evening with the Lord. There's something about the sunset that psychologists have studied for many years because it does something to the brain. It produces like a super happy moments. Uh, seeing that sun go down with those soft colors, and it doesn't last very long, but when you capture that moment, it creates something that God has put in us of thanksgiving, where you just want to say, oh, that's beautiful. God, that's beautiful. (laughs) God, you can really paint. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Mm -mm. It's like brain, it's like candy to the brain or something. Makes you super happy. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, let's take Holy Communion together. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Grab some unleavened bread, some grape juice. I use these little bitty uh, packaged uh, communion elements. Praise God. These will work, or just grab some grape juice and a little bit of unleavened bread, and you're good to go. Maybe a cracker or something like that, and you're good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. And right now, through this prayer, we set this apart as being holy. This is now the flesh and blood of Jesus, veiled still what through the physical form of what would appear to be bread and juice, 
But we thank you, Father God, that we are about to receive the flesh and blood of Jesus. And Father, as we meditate upon the communion and the body and the blood of Christ, we thank you that we get more understanding of that. And Father, we give you praise as we receive now his flesh. We thank you, O God, that you like color. You like sunsets. You like magenta and pink and blue. We thank you, Father God. Maybe your favorite color is blue. Lord, we give you praise. And Father, as we receive the body of the Lord, we just thank you for your your word that is designed to profit us in every area of our lives. And that word bringing forth that rich life, the God quality life in our lives. We give you praise as we receive his flesh. Now we receive that life in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Let's receive. There was a point in my life where I determined to really meditate on the scriptures and study the subject of communion because many evangelical ministers, they say, this is just like bread and juice and all it does is symbolize the Lord's body and blood. It's not really the body and blood. The more I meditated on the scriptures and uh, the more time I spent with the Lord on this subject, I became not persuaded. I became absolutely convinced that when we receive this, we are actually receiving the flesh and blood of Christ. Hallelujah. And I believe that with all of my heart. (laughs) And the Lord showed me some amazing things concerning that. Well, Pastor Stephen, I don't know if I believe that. Hmm. Show me any other vitamin or food product that you can live on or go without food perhaps for years and still somehow survive. You, you can't. But I have read too many stories, and I've had my own encounters, but I've read too many stories of saints who've lived 20, 30, 35 years, one woman 38 years on nothing but the flesh and blood be, being received daily. Mm-mm. So it's supernatural, and that's what we're receiving right now, the blood and the flesh of the Lord. Now, let's pray over the blood Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. To our natural eyes, it looks just like grape juice. But Father, we have meditated on your word and your scriptures. And Jesus said, this is my blood. This is my blood. So we thank you, Father God, that as we receive the blood of Jesus, we thank you for all that it entails, the forgiveness of our sins, the cleansing of unrighteousness. We thank you, Father God, for a protection of a hedge of protection from sickness and disease and all the germs that are floating around out there. We thank you for strength because Jesus said that he took, he took our infirmities. So if he took them, he, he, he's got them. And so we can be free because he took them. And so we celebrate the blood of Jesus And we proclaim his death until he comes. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for divine health. And for those that might be sick physically, I thank you for healing. 
healing breaking forth in their body right now and that sickness and disease being destroyed and having to leave. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to the Lord. Glory. Glory to the Lord. Well, I'm getting an unusual word right now. For some of you, this this wouldn't be unusual, but perhaps to a larger audience it might be. Some of you are going to have a vision of the Lord. And you've never seen the Lord before, but you're going to see Him in a vision. You might think, well, Pastor Stephen, what does He look like? Well, you know, I've uh, read a lot about the Shroud of Turin. And uh, while I heard really good evidence that that's got to be the Lord because of all the evidence that would uh, imply that it is, I always had some doubts because it doesn't quite look like the Jesus that I've seen in visions. But then I realized that the man in the shroud, the shroud of Turin, that is a man that's been beaten and his face is swollen. Matter of fact, one, one side of his face is swollen extremely large. And so this is a man that's been crucified. So it doesn't look like the normal Lord. But I believe the Shroud of Turin uh, is the burial cloth that Jesus was buried in. And that's an image of him. But remember, that image is, is an image of a man where they, I mean, they hit him in the face. They ripped chunks of his beard out. Um, they they did, did traumatic things to him and, of course, crucified him. But he looks somewhat similar to that image, but not completely because that's a man who's, that, that image is, is of him all beaten up. Praise God. Some of you are going to have a vision of the resurrected Christ. Praise God. And there's, there's some people watching me right now. You're in, a, you're in the Middle East, and the Lord's going to reveal himself to you in a vision. For some of you, it will be in a dream, but it will be absolutely 100% real and authentic. Remember when Joseph and Mary would... Uh, go down into Egypt and take uh, the baby Jesus out of that area because of the uh, uh, death threats and the hostility. Joseph was warned by angels in a dream. But don't ever think that just because it's a dream, it's not real. No, it's, it's absolutely real. And he knew it was real. And he did what the angel said to him. But some of you are going to see the Lord in the dream. Uh, and others of you will be... Uh, blessed to experience the grace of seeing him in a vision. Praise God. And I've seen the Lord different times in visions. Praise God. It's always something special. Praise the Lord. Maybe you'll see him at sunset. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Well, there's an anointing right now. So, Father, we just thank you for breakthroughs and miracles. We thank you, Father, Uh, for visions, visions, hallelujah, and revelations of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. And there's a lot of your word, a lot of your scriptures, oh God, they're going to really begin to come alive to a lot of your people because we're in a, we're in an era right now of understanding. Uh, Even the book of Revelation is going to be unfolded so clearly that even young people will be able to understand it and uh, we'll be able to explain it clearly. 
So, Father, we give you praise. We just thank you. Thank you for your strength and your anointing. There's healing anointing still flowing right now. If you need that, especially uh, pain in the uh, in the neck, be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Somebody, heat is beginning to come up on your body. That is the healing power of God. Receive that right now. Cancer is being driven out of somebody's uh, body right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if that's you and you have cancer, I rebuke it and command it to leave your body now. Let it go. Let it go. It's leaving right now. Father, we give you praise. I command it to go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody, you feel like you're wanting to vomit and throw up. And I'm not asking you to fabricate something or to try to generate something that the Holy Spirit is not generating, but there are, uh, uh, there's at least two or three people. You, you feel like you're about to vomit and perhaps you need to go to the toilet or somewhere or the restroom and do that because something is, uh, impure is coming out of you. And, uh, one of those is the person that God's touching you. You've had the cancer and that's leaving you right now, but there's a spirit of cancer that has, that's attacked you and that's coming out. And sometimes these evil spirits come out uh, uh, through the mouth. And sometimes there can be a, the association of vomit that's happening to somebody. Just let it go. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, because the Lord is delivering you and setting you free right now. And some of you can even smell a, ba- a bad odor. That's because something bad, d- demons stink, and they're being driven out from you right now. Hallelujah. The unclean thing has to go. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, for those of you that would have some free time in the evenings, do like Isaac did. Walk out in your field and sit down and meditate. Spend time with the Lord. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.